0: I am honored to speak here today and so I'm glad you all here. I hope you had a fun and safe 4th of July and so I would just like to take a moment here to honor those who have served in the military. We don't give enough thanks to those so we honor you today. So at Southridge, (laughs) so we did the opening song and then I'll do about a 30 to 35 minute message today when I timed it at home and then (laughs) we will come back and sing again. So okay. So I want to start by telling you a little bit about me. And so I lived most of my life in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you ever go to Colorado Springs, my favorite restaurant there is Fargo's Pizza. I love that place. My wife does not like it at all, but I like it. So I have one younger brother. He's an engineer. He's an electrical engineer. As Troy said, I'm a doctor as well as a pastor. I'm on the board of The Crossing, the camp in Lexington, Nebraska, where Southridge sent kids recently and where Danny has gone recently, too, she said. So I have great parents, and I grew up in a great Christian family. So I am a rule breaker. I am a rule breaker. If there is a do not step on the grass sign, I immediately step on the grass. That's just my personality, and that'll come in the sermon some. And then I like to eat out. I... (laughs) Enjoy that. So in a small nutshell, that is me. I'll start by showing you some pictures here. So hopefully this will be coming up here. The first picture should be my family at the Impact Awards. So this is us at the Impact Awards. So that is me. And then Cherie is my wife. She is an accountant. She is very organized as a person. So Mackenzie is my daughter. She's going to go into the fifth grade. She's very creative and she could spend all day in her room and get lost in there. Jordan, my son, he's the one kind of right in front of me. He's going to go into the third grade. He's the athletic one. He's the one who is really, really good at sports. And then Evan, the one who's kind of squished between them, he's going to go into the first grade this next year. And he is my Lego son. He is the one who enjoys Legos with me. So. So picture two here. This should be, hopefully, me in my basement with some of my Legos. So I have a million billion Legos. I never think I have enough, but my wife thinks I have too many. So this is just a small sample of Legos. It's kind of hard to see, but right in the front, in the bottom left, that's our Lego family. And then these are some Star Wars Legos, some minifigures. And then some sets that I haven't put together yet. So anyways, just Legos. I enjoy Legos. I enjoy the creative aspect of Legos, and when I'm in Lego land or Lego time, it's like very different. I think five minutes has gone by, but like two hours has gone by. It's just very creative for me. So about the series, as Troy said, Jake preached last week, and I think he did a great job. It is interesting to see how each week relates to the other weeks, and some of the same themes come up each week. We are studying the life of David in 2 Samuel. He is king now over both Israel and Judah, and these stories happen probably in the later to middle part of his life. At Southridge, we start each series with a key text, the series it is a verse written by David. And again, it's a verse from the Psalms. Here is the verse, so Psalms 86, 11, in the NLT version, Psalms 86, 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. The first thing that strikes me about this verse is that to live a Christian life, it is not about me, but it is about God. Your ways, your truth, your honor. For me, it is the opposite. My way, my truth, my honor. But in God's kingdom, it is backwards. Everything is about God. As Christians, we look to Jesus to learn about God. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your ways how do we learn God's ways the obvious answer is studying the Bible but more and more I learn his ways over time if I am paying attention the Holy Spirit teaches me little truths every day he teaches me about dying to self in relationships he teaches me about patience with being a father he teaches me about long-suffering with my job and the lessons are sometimes big and sometimes small but he is always teaching. Your truth. How do we learn his truth? I think we learn his truth the best through the Bible. Why? Because it is so easy in life to get blinded by our feelings. We feel this is right, or we feel this should be right. We need to keep going back to what the Bible says. What is the truth? The truth is not how we feel. The truth is found in the Bible and in God. Your honor, our actions matter to God. Our lives matter to him. Each choice of doing good matters to God. We honor God by obeying what he tells us to do. So, We will now go to the text we will study specifically this week. The chapter today rotates back and forth between honor and dishonor. How you, will you respond in life when you have conflict? You will have conflict in life. How will you respond? Will you respond with honor, or will you respond with dishonor? So we will start here by reading 2 Samuel verses 10, verses 1 and 2. 2 Samuel 10, verses 1 through 2. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hunan became king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Hunan just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hunan about his father's death. It's Amazing how dry your mouth can get up here, so. Okay, so the first fill-in here today is Honor people who show honor to you. Honor people who show honor to you. It is not hard to show honor to people who honor you, is it? If someone is nice to me, it's easy to be nice to them. Even people who are not Christians or religious at all are really pretty good at honoring their friends. This is not very hard. It is a very natural response. Honoring someone who has helped you or your family is just normal and expected. Here is some background about these verses. Probably most of us don't know who this king is, but who is King Nahash? Not much is mentioned about him in the Bible. What is mentioned is not very nice. He was not a good guy. He is mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and 1 Samuel chapter 11. In these chapters, he has oppressed two tribes of Israel, Gad and Reuben, who were living on the east side of the Jordan River, and he showed everyone that he conquered them by gouging out the right eye. So if you were walking around without a right eye, you were conquered by him. We do not have the story in the Bible that I could find of where Nahash helps David, but at some point he must have helped him because David was loyal to him and wanted to honor him. As a person, David was very loyal. He was loyal to Jonathan. He was loyal to Saul, even though King Saul was trying to kill him. David was a good friend, and he was a good person to have on your side. But the Ammonites did obvious, the Ammonites did not know that, and they did not really know David very well, based on how they responded. Honor people who show honor to you. Now back to the text. I will read verses 2, again the rest of verse 2 through verse 4 here. So, but when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commanders said to Hunan, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Hunan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. So the next fill-in is honor people who show dishonor to you. Honor people who show dishonor to you. First of all, how many times do you get to say buttocks in church? I'm just gonna say it because it's there. So how awesome is that? Some translations say hip, but I like this translation better. So now growing up, I couldn't say buttocks or butt or anything like that. I could say rear or rear end or bottom or tushy, which I don't really know what that <laughs> means, but here the Bible calls it like it is. So I thought that was pretty funny. So. This part of the story is about dishonor. David tries to show honor to Hunan, but he gets a dishonorable response. How many of us have given a gift that has backfired on you? So, I know my wife would say that all the time. She used to buy me things and has now given up. If I want it, I usually just buy it with Amazon, It is too easy to buy it these days, just with one click. And no matter how hard I try, I still disappoint her in this area. So Hunan here does not accept the gift of sympathy that is offered and instead shows David contempt. I got to thinking, is what he did worse than killing the people? Is this the worst thing he could do to them? So... Today, would it really shame us to get half of our facial hair cut off and wear really short shorts? Probably not. Probably not. I think today, the worst insult that we could do would be to insult us on social media. It is so easy to shame people online these days. We say things online that hopefully we would never say in person. How many of us here had have, have had a shaming or somebody make fun of you or insult you on social media? So, it's probably happened a lot. So, personally, I don't do social media anymore because it left me feeling worse about my life. It caused me to compare myself in ways that were not healthy. I think... I need a new car, I think I must need a new house, oh, I maybe need new clothes, oh, my kids aren't good as these kids, or our birthday party wasn't as good as their birthday party, et cetera. In fact, according to healthline.com, social media leads to more depression, loneliness, anxiety, and a new word that I found out, FOMO, which means fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. So FOMO. So, honor people who show dishonor to you. So, how is this personal? What are some personal stories about honor? So the Bible says to honor your father and mother. Cherie feels honored, my wife, and respected when the kids obey her and dishonored and disrespected when the kids do not. My kids can choose whether to obey and honor us as parents, and we have that choice as well. For myself, the best example that I can think of about honor and dishonor is about alcohol. I personally do not think drinking is a sin, but getting drunk is. I do not like the taste of alcohol, and it is not my personal weakness. I know lots of people who struggle with alcohol, and as a doctor, I have seen it utterly destroy people's lives. I grew up in a family where my parents were very much against alcohol. They hated it. And also, to be a pastor in the Assemblies of God, the denomination that we are a part of here, you have to sign a piece of paper that says you will not smoke, drink, or gamble. Now, as I said earlier, I hate rules. I hate being told what to do. I hate it. And so for me, this really bugs me. Do I know why? It doesn't. I don't know why. It's not. A, I don't struggle with it, but it really, really bugged me. I have never smoked in my life. I've never done drugs in my life. I have only gambled a handful of times, and I'm not very good at that. But <laughs> this one really, really Bugged me. I argued and argued about this in my head. I had to decide. Even though I do not personally agree with the rule, I have chosen to honor the rule and abide by it while I am an American pastor. Someone has to set the rules, and if I want to be a pastor in this denomination, I had to agree with it. So I chose to honor the rule. So back to the text here. We'll go back to verse 6. Verse 6, when David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out, and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. Deep shame. So fill in, honor God with your identity. Honor God with your identity. So if we can pull up a couple pictures here, I'm going to do a couple more. So the first one here, this hopefully will make sense. This is a little Chick-fil-A shrine that I have at my house. So there's a couple of cows there and a lot of little tiny cows and some notebooks and mugs and all that stuff. So if this doctor thing doesn't work out, my goal in life would be to run a Chick-fil-A. So I enjoy Chick-fil-A, and to be fully honest, I get some of my identity from that. So that's why I thought this. Now, the next picture is also a Chick-fil-A picture, if they can pull it up. So <laughs> this coming Tuesday is Cow Appreciation Day. So every year, Chick-fil-A has, I don't know, I mean, a day where they give away free stuff if you dress like a cow. I don't know how else to describe it. So this is from last year. My sister-in-law Jess created my hat. It's hard to see here, but it's a cow hat, and it has little ears, and then she created my shirt, and then on the back of my shirt I have a little cow tail. And so she created that. And this is us last year at Cow Appreciation Day. So I will probably go to like six or something Chick-fil-As on cow day for (laughs) breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and get free food for each meal. So that's what we've done every day of the last couple years. This is one of our two family holidays. The other one is National Donut Day. So just so you know, those are that is us from last year's Chick-fil-A. So what is a modern-day example about this verse? The word that struck me here was appearance. How many people here in America get their identity from their appearance. It is very important how we look. If we do not look perfectly, i sorry, if we do not, look, do not look perfect, we can sometimes feel shamed. Look at TV, media, magazines, movies. If you do not have the perfect body, then you are nobody. But the bigger question, I think, for all of us that can affect us is where do we get our identity? Is our identity misplaced? Is our identity misplaced? Do we feel worth if we are skinny, or do we feel worthless if we are fat? Do we feel worth if we have a job? Or do we feel worthless if we do not? Do we feel worth if we are married? Or worthless if we are single? And I can give lots of examples, but what gives you worth? And again, what makes you feel worthless? As Tim Keller puts it, what idols do we worship? What defines our self-worth? What gives us our purpose? Idols. An idol, as he defines it, is something that we value more than God. Do we worship money, sex, power, or fame? What makes you feel good about yourself? What is your idol? Is your job your idol? Are you important because you are a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher? A business owner? Are you important because of your family? Are you valued because you are married and have kids? Your church? Are you significant because you volunteer here at church? Your service? Are you special because you volunteer at the local Ronald McDonald House? What is your idol? Your country? Are you important because you are an American? Your politics, is that how you define yourself and your identity? Does your happiness depend on who is in the White House? Your health, are you important because you are a runner or a biker or a vegan or a vegetarian? What in your life is more important than God? What do you fear losing the most? that might be your idol. Do you get your worth by what you do versus who you are? This week, last week, I had a horrible day at work. Almost everything that could have given me identity at work was touched in some way. Clinic was tough, procedures did not go smoothly, I wasted an hour dealing with a password problem, I stayed after two hours, Two hours after work, answering calls, emails, and faxes, and was frustrated that I was missing family time. I felt defeated. I heard God speak to me in that little voice, saying, Jeremy, is your identity misplaced? Am I getting identity from my work? In one second, my perspective shifted, and I asked for forgiveness. I was on a pity party, and God was trying to teach me something. I honor God with your identity. Honor God with your identity. I will summarize the next couple verses. They won't be on the screen. And this will be a little confusing of the story. But there's Ammonites and Armenians. Ammonites and Armenians are two different groups of people. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, they hired Armenian foot soldiers. When David heard about this, he sent Joab, and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonite troops came out and drew up their battle lines at the entrance of the city gate, while the Armenian troops positioned themselves to fight in the open fields. Again, I know this is confusing. The Ammonites hired Armenians to fight with them. The Ammonites were near the city, and the Armenians were in the field. So... We will now go read verse 9 on the text. So when Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, he chose some of Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Armenians in the fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother Abishai, who was to attack the Ammonites. If the Armenians are too strong for me, then come over to help me, Joab told his brother. And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will come and help you. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. When Joab and his troops attacked, the Armenians began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Armenians running, They ran from Abishai and retreated into the city. After the battle was over, Joab returned to Jerusalem. So the next two fill-ins here, honor God by asking for help. Honor God by asking for help. And then the second fill-in is honor God by helping people out. Honor God by helping people out. There is honor both in asking for help and in helping people out. All of us at times need help in our lives. The sad question is how many of us needed help and did not ask, but the sadder question in my mind is how many people needed help, asked for help, and did not get it. None of us can do this life by ourselves. God designed us to live in community. God is a God of relationships. Love can only be expressed in the context of a relationship. What is a modern-day example of this story? Do you have friends that you can ask for help? I certainly hope so. Joab, Joab had an actual brother that could help him, but we should have a spiritual family that can help us. We should have spiritual brothers and sisters. Do you have someone you can call and say, I am struggling with blank and need help? I know this is a shameless plug for life groups, but this is where friendship can really happen. My wife and I lead a group called The Healing Journey. It is a group that goes deep and helps us with our identity, but it also forces us to ask for help. It is impossible to truly get to know somebody just on a Sunday morning. We say, hi, how are you? What is the number one lie people say? Oh, good, I'm fine. I say if you ask me how I'm doing, most of the time I'll say, "Oh, I'm alive." Cuz I don't want to lie. So, but but how would how would it be if we responded what is actually going on in our lives? "Oh, wow, thanks for asking. Life really stinks right now. I have no job, my medical bills are piling up, and my wife left me. Oh, and I found out this week the dog has cancer." Oh, how are you doing? I mean, it has to happen in relationship, it has to happen in life groups. So how different, how different would life be if we truly told people how we are doing? How different would life be if we stopped pretending that everything is always all right and that we have no problems? There are no super Christians. Honor God by asking for help and honor God by helping people out. So one more picture here as we pull this up. I'll take another drink here. This picture here is from camp. This is the le- camp in Lexington, Nebraska. That is my nephew. That is Kean, on the cornhole set. So I made those cornhole sets that he is on. And so this is the most recent example of where I have had to ask for help. So, the crossing is the Assemblies of God camp in Lexington, Nebraska. I am on the board there, and part of my job on the board is to be in charge of recreation. So, I volunteered to try to save money for the camp to create things. So, I created those cornhole sets, I did ladder ball sets, I did horseshoe pits, I made benches, I ordered fire pits, I ordered tetherball poles, in addition to other things that I did at the camp. The project was overwhelming. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. And I could not finish it all before the camp season started. I needed help. And the camp maintenance guy, Kenny, came and helped me paint these and do things. And also my brother-in-law, Sean, helped me as well. It was humbling to ask for help, but it helped me out so much. I just did not have the time to The chapter ends with this, and I will just summarize the end of the chapter. I won't read it. The Armenians realized that they were no match for Israel, so they got reinforcements and tried to fight David again. Again, the Armenians lost. This time, David's forces killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers. That's what it says in the Bible, 40,000. Almost as as many Americans that were killed in the Vietnam War were killed in one battle. And then it says, After that, the Armenians were afraid to help the Ammonites, and they became David's subjects. So Dishonor brought death. One little decision, one little decision of shaving someone's beard and cutting their robes cost over 40,000 people their lives. How could this story have ended differently? Hunan could have accepted the gift of sympathy that David offered. Maybe Hunan could have apologized and sent money or goods to David to patch things up. This is what one of David's wives did, Abigail. That story is in the Bible as well. Hunan could have acted honorably. It would have saved a lot of trouble, and it would have saved a lot of lives. In closing, I want to ask three main questions. Three main questions today. One, question one. Will you do the right thing even if it, quote, backfires on you? Will you do the right thing even if it backfires on you? If, you, if someone treats you dishonorably, if someone treats you dishonorably, like shaming you on Facebook, or, like in the story, cutting off their beards and robes, how will you respond? Will you respond by treating them honorably? Will you let the insult go? Or will you fight back? You can only control yourself. You cannot control other people. I want to have a quote here from Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa says it this way, People are often unreasonable, Irrational and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Do the right thing. The second question that I want to ask is, where do you get your identity? What do you fear losing the most? This one is super hard for me. We could have a misplaced negative identity. We could feel shame for our past. We could think of ourselves as a loser. We could think of ourselves as a quitter. We could think of ourselves as a failure. We could think of ourselves as a has-been or worthless but you can also have a misplaced, positive identity. We can think too highly of ourselves. When you think about yourself, what words come to mind? If I am honest, I get my identity from all sorts of things. I am responsible. I am a doctor. I am a dad. I am a husband. I love Legos and I love Chick-fil-A I am a Christian I am a pastor I try to be kind I want to be excellent at everything I try to be a perfectionist I will tell you one thing I am not though I am not a good singer I get no identity in that at all none, zero so where do you get your worth? In the story, the ambassadors had some identity in their appearance. What do you fear losing the most? What do you fear losing the most? If your identity is not first in being a son or daughter of Christ, then it is misplaced. If your identity comes from who you are Sorry, your identity comes from who you are in Christ and not what you do. Nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. And if you are his kid, he loved you enough to die for you on the cross. He thinks you are good stuff. For me, he is trying to peel all the layers back and all the identities off so that all that remains is in him. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. And then the third question is do you need to ask for help? Do you need to ask for help? What are you struggling with right now? Is it lust? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it gambling? Is it lying is it loneliness is it anxiety is it depression is it health issues whatever it is we all have weaknesses we all have weaknesses like in the story today joab needed help why is it so hard for us to swallow our pride and ask for help They had a plan to help each other out. It was his brother that he asked for help. Who would you ask for help from? Do you have a spiritual brother or sister in Christ who can help you, who you can go to for help? You are not the only one struggling. We all need help. I will close here in prayer and then we will go ahead and do our, our worship time here. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you have done for us. I pray today that you will touch people's lives here that are struggling through these three questions. I know someone here is facing a tough choice about what to do, whether to do one thing or another. Will they do the honorable thing or not. I pray that you will help them respond honorably, respond in a way that honors you. I pray that if we make a mistake, we will do the honorable thing and go to that person and ask for forgiveness, that we will go to them and make it right. I pray today that you will give people the strength to do the right thing no matter the situation, I pray, God, for people who are struggling with something. I don't have any idea what everyone in this audience is dealing with, but you do. There are people here that are struggling with horrendous, horrible problems. I pray that you will bless them through that. I pray that you will help them with their identity and that you will help them have their identity only in you, I pray that we will feel loved as a child of you and that our identity will not be found in what we do, but who we are. I pray for people here who need help but have not asked. I pray for people that we will help out people that ask us for help. We all need help. I pray that we will be a true spiritual family. We will help each other out, and it'll be awesome. I pray for those who need accountability in some areas of their lives. For me, alcohol is not an issue, but I know it can be an issue. If someone needs accountability in alcohol or whatever the issue is, I pray that they will have somebody in their life that will come alongside them and help them out. As Christopher Jan says in his book, I will read this last part. We must show the beauty of the gospel lived out in our daily lives and let that be the foundation from which we proclaim the good news to the lost. No matter what people cling to, of all the fool's gold in the world, money, fame, career, power, happiness, or even relationships, nothing else comes close to the joy and satisfaction of a life Fully surrender to God. Our job as followers of Christ is to live in a way that makes it unmistakable to a dying world that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. If we are redeemed followers of Christ, we should be open and honest about the fact that we don't have it all together. We'll be as safe as and redemptive place for all our brothers and sisters to admit together i'm broken and i desperately need jesus even though our individual struggles on a particular level may look different the overall problem is the same we are all sinners and the overall answer is the same new life, and daily renewal in Christ. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to come together as a loving and intimate spiritual family and walk hand in hand with those who are struggling, not so that we can fix them, and not because we have all the answers, but because we know someone who does. And his name is Jesus. Amen.